everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 165 through 167, which will be covering manga chapters 252 through 254. And so, on this episode, the big bad of the Skypea arc is finally here. We get the long-awaited reveal of God Anel and all his ostentatious glory. Alrighty, so let's get right into the synopsis. So Nami and the gang head back to the altar after their startling discovery, while Luffy's group finally make their way out of the ordeal forest and are able to make it to the crew as well. And now with the whole crew reunited again, they compare notes and devise a plan to get the fabled gold that is spoke of in the No Lend legend. Meanwhile, the priests are summoned by God NL as he knows of the search for the gold by the Straw Hats, as well as the impending Shandian attack. So he allows the priests to roam freely about the island to stop them all. So again, there are quite a few differences and the overall philosophy around much of these episodes is that a lot of the scenes are just sort of extended or expanded upon rather than just sort of flat out being filler, which I actually prefer. Um, the first example are there are a few extra scenes added during the Shandian versus Priests fight. And in particular, we actually get to see how Lucky caused Kamakiri to get wounded against Ohm. And I actually like that they added this as it adds some good context to the scene later where Wiper scolds her. And then similarly, during the campfire party we get a few added scenes and especially i love the scene where zoro is is cheersing the wolf and <laughs> that's not in the manga surprisingly and that's a really really cool and almost kind of iconic scene where zoro is just like clanking cups with that wolf <laughs> And then there are a couple slightly rearranged scenes, like the scene with Wiper scolding Lucky, and then also with Gunfall explaining about Verth. Those scenes are, are swapped around a little bit. And there are also a couple random scenes thrown in there where, you know, they're jumping back to Wiper and the Shandians ma- mentally preparing themselves for the coming attack on Enel's shrine. Those are added. And also the whole sequence of them using the Sky Shark to get the Mary off the altar is added in the anime as well. So this wasn't in the manga. And again, for the most part, like with the Kamakiri scene, I don't really mind adding filler like this because it expands on something that would have naturally happened. And so in the manga, we don't really get to see how they got the Mary off the altar. It just sort of was there. And But the only reason I say for the most part is because I don't really like how they use Chopper as bait here. I don't think they'd actually endanger one of their crew like that. Or if he's not in any real danger, the fact that they would scare Chopper that much just doesn't seem in character for any of them. And I... I don't know. I I don't really like how they just sort of do that, especially who's so close to Chopper. So that about covers it for the differences, or at least the major ones. So let's move into my thoughts on these episodes. We pick up where we ended last episode, and Nami is excited at the prospect of the golden treasure being right where they are now on the Sky Island, and is now thanking God for good fortune. Then this funny exchange between the three of them occurs where Zoro points out to Nami, it's like, weren't you scared of this island's God? And Nami changes her tune. And it's so funny, like going back and now saying that God is worth less than gold. And so it doesn't really have hold any power. And to, to then Robin being confused, mentioning, didn't you just thank God too? And then we finally end with Zoro just mentioning what Nami is saying is just complete nonsense and all over the place. And this is this whole like absurd conversation is so funny. And I think I think for some people this type of humor doesn't really 
it's not really their their cup of tea but man i love just listening to or seeing like these like absurd dialogue scenes or just absurd jokes i think sometimes i catch myself like working some of these into my real life conversations just to just to keep myself entertained and it, and it usually gets a pretty weird stare but it's really hilarious to me but yeah that gold mine of comedy and pun intended with nami where money is king in her mind and nothing will top it to the point where everything that comes out of her mouth does some mental gymnastics to stay in line to the point of absurdity and <laughs> contradiction. It's it's always funny and it stays very true to her character, how money just takes precedence almost over everything. Then we shift over back to the Luffy side of things, where after leaving the ordeal forest, they see a battle between the Shandians and the priests break out as Luffy make their way through the field, and they find themselves in the middle of that battle now. And we get a cool bit of world building where what when Wiper witnesses Luffy using his Gomu Gomu powers, he notes the kind of devil fruit Luffy is using. And from Wiper, we get our first mention of the name of the Luffy's devil fruit type, which is Paramecia. Just like zone fruits are animal-based ones, Paramecia are the superhuman power types. Now the Crunchyroll subs, which is the one that I'm watching, translates this as Paramecia with the T-H-A ending, but I've always known it as Paramecia, so that's what I'm just going to refer to it as. Now, I'm not really sure the etymology of the word Paramecia. I mean, when you look at a Paramecia or Paramecium are species of microbe that kind of live in water and which is ironic because devil fruit users don't thrive in water at all and so (laughs) i don't know if that's like an in joke on oda calling it the paramecia and sort of giving it a contradictory name but yeah it is very strange where that word actually comes from or why he applied that word to describe the most common type of devil fruit in the entire you know one piece universe and now that we have two types named we obviously know that there is a third type the elemental types that we've seen used by you know users such as crocodile and smoker with the sinasna and the um mokumoku no mi and so hopefully we'll get the name of that type as well soon i act like i don't know it but obviously i do because <laughs> I, I you know obviously i've read ahead but yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. And and it's again, it's interesting how knowledgeable the Shandians are of devil fruits. Like I mentioned in the last episode, considering we've yet to see no one, you know, whether it be Shandian or Skypian or any of the priests wield a devil fruit. And I mean, presumably NL is, is a user of a devil fruit, but beyond him, there doesn't seem to be any other users. So I'm, I, it's interesting how knowledgeable they are about it. Now, during this exchange between Luffy and Wiper, they try and pick fights with each other, but both have bigger fish to fry and they go their separate ways for now. But they seem to be setting up a duel at some point. But you wonder how that will actually play out as they don't seem to be actual enemies since they both have a common enemy in NL so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but from there we get to see a bit more of how the Skypians fight but it really doesn't show too much aside from establishing that the priests are far stronger than the Shandians and definitely they live up to being NL's sort of commanders and with that we shift back to Nami and company and they make it back to Chopper and the Mary in the altar and they find that the going Mary was under some heavy attack and again Robin with with the morbid and dark assessment of the situation hypothesizing that maybe Chopper was torn limb from limb after he doesn't return their calls is pretty funny and poor Chopper finally emerges from the ship in tears but still trying to act like nothing happened being all brave it's pretty funny too you just feel for Chopper this whole time. 
And just shortly after that, Luffy and company finally make it to the others as well. And now the entire Straw Hat crew is finally reunited again. And I love this scene where Usopp is more concerned over Chopper's health than the shock of the mast being gone and, and the Mary taking so much damage. But he obviously knows that Chopper did everything he could to protect the, the going Mary. And, and I really like that moment. And in addition, I also find it really touching that Luffy and the crew really appreciate just how far above and beyond Gonfall and Pierre went to protect Mary and Chopper over just a free whistle. And yeah, I always really like these sort of like real human moments of One Piece. Just you get to see the characters being kind of real people and caring for other people and just showing how kind they are deep down. But with that, they decide to camp on the shore. And <laughs> it's hilarious that in the aftermath of Luffy's arrival, you see the moat littered with knocked out sky sharks as if they were nothing to him. <laughs> And he even wants to just eat them and barbecue them. Because <laughs> it's so funny because like Zoro and like all the others struggled to beat one of these things. And Luffy just knocks out an entire like pod of them. Once night falls, they all hold a meeting over a fire to go over everyone's experiences to consolidate information. And it's a stupid joke, but I can't help but laugh at Luffy being shocked at the fact that Usopp presents the gold the Saruyama Alliance were looking for was in Skypiea when not even a few minutes ago, Nami had just stated that very fact, like literally right before that. <laughs> and Luffy's just like slow comprehension of the situation is also gets me. I mean, it's like the, the time in Drum where they're running through the, the cold castle and he doesn't actually notice he's cold until Sanji actually points it out to him when it's like far later than he should notice that he's cold. And it's here they've now shifted their goal to treasure hunting, a very uncharacteristically traditional pirate activity for them, which is pretty awesome because up till now they haven't really done too many things that are very piratey. And so treasure hunting is a very real pirate thing. And in between this, there's a short scene where they show the battle between the priests and the Shandians come to an end for now, as the Shandians are forced to retreat and Enel has summoned back his remaining priests. But getting back to the Straw Hats, the cooking scene is absolutely hilarious with Zoro and Chopper coming back with all the ingredients that they gathered. And while they're listing it, the ingredients, they find Nami notes that there are a couple that shouldn't be in there. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then Sanji's just like, oh, that's right. We don't need garlic when, when really it's like they found frogs and stuff. And as usual, Sanji prepares special bowls for both Nami and Robin. <laughs> but in a coincidence, Usopp ends up eating Nami's love stew that Sanji made for her. And he gets super upset. And then also Luffy continuously having his bowl filled and eating it in an instant is, pretty, is a pretty funny gag. But another funny thing... <laughs> Pierre, you see him eating stew, which is pretty funny and cute in and of itself. But you see that Robin is, she gave her stew to Pierre. So Sanji's disappointed that neither of the ladies actually ended up eating the love stew that he made for them. And also with that scene, I just have to shout out the fact that Pierre is eating the stew with a spoon. And his bird form is pretty funny too. They continue to discuss all their findings and the big thing that Nami figures out is when you put the Jaya and Skypea maps together, it makes the shape of a skull and now Nolan's last words in his logbook begin to make a lot of sense and the message of the gold is in the skull's right eye is telling them that the golden bell and the rest of the golden treasure is right there in the island where the right eye would sit. Now this next scene is another one of my favorite parts of the arc where Robin's old way of living and her survival instincts kick in telling them that they should put the fire out 
to not let their enemies know their location, but Lupinusop's smug response to this is so hilarious, with Robin visibly confused, with Lupinusop crying over that, in this situation, they've got to do a camp- campfire. That's just common sense. While Nami is obviously in agreement with Robin and is beside herself at the stupidity of the pair, but then right behind her, Zoro and Sanji are also all about the campfire and have collected these massive logs already for what appears to be in preparation for like a 10-foot-tall bonfire. And at this point, Nami is also worried that the fire will attract dangerous wild beasts and animals with Sanji trying to reassure her that the fire will actually ward off all those dangers. However, when it cuts back to Sanji, there are already glowing eyes all behind him. Turns out they're wild sky wolves, but they're surprisingly intelligent and even like growling like they're having conversations. And it's even made funnier when Chopper translates for them. But he not only does he translate the words, he actually copies their tone, mannerisms, and speech patterns, which is pretty funny. Because the wolves talk like they're almost like in this sort of Yakuza mafia gangster type of language this whole sequence gets even funnier and funnier as luffy and sanji get mad at chopper when even though he's the one just translating what the wolves are saying then nami beating the crap out of the alpha wolf because she wants to assert that the treasure treasure is theirs and then nami gaining immense courage when it comes to treasure will always be funny to me because it always seems to appear at the strangest and most unexpected times like here and then the pack gets angry at nami but the alpha stops them because now he respects nami for (laughs) for being stronger and he's again he's still talking like this sort of mafia yakuza gangster which is just too much (laughs) but now that they've gained their respect thanks to nami's dominance everyone decides to just have their campfire party and honestly this scene is just pure joy and fun and it's said that this is one of Oda's favorite panels he's ever drawn. And in fact, apparently, the story goes is that he created the Skypea arc specifically just to draw this sequence of them dancing around the fire. And I also really like this scene as well. It really is just fun and warms my heart to see this scene. You got the crew all together enjoying each other's company while making friends with islands, you know, inhabitants with these almost human-like intelligent wolves who apparently are capable of making some kind of juice too. And I personally love the wolf and Zoro having a moment and then cheersing each other, like I mentioned, in a different section. And then Gonfall finally wakes up. And I don't know why, but I always feel so warm seeing them relieved that Gonfall is okay. And while Gonfall is also very thankful for their help, while the Straw Hats are really the ones who should be grateful to him, I don't know, something about that sort of mutual gratitude towards each other, despite them having only known each other for like a day at this point, is just a really great moment to me. And I always really like it. Also, an added note, the song that plays in the background of this party scene is called Family, and it's actually sung by the seven voice actors of the Straw Hat crew. So yeah, this song is actually sung by the crew themselves, and it's pretty awesome. I I love this song. And it was used as the end theme to a couple TV specials along with this episode, and they also recorded a version of them singing We Are as well, which does actually get used in the anime a little bit later down the line, but we'll get to that when the time comes. Cutting away from the party, we get a short scene with the Shandians as Wiper is furious with Nakia at her insistence on getting the birth for Isa, which is what caused Kamakiri to get wounded by Ohm. However, Kamakiri regains consciousness and stops Wiper from throwing away the birth. At this point, I don't really know what to make of Wiper. I mean, he's a really intense and almost unlikable guy, while the other Shandian warriors at least seem like 
caring and nice people. Even Kamakuri, who was kind of harsh towards Aisa in his introduction scene, still seems to know how important birth is to Aisa. And even though that's what caused him to sustain in the wound, he still doesn't want it thrown out. But yeah, at this point in the story, I'm very curious what direction Wiper actually takes in terms of his character development. Because right now, he's not a villain, but yeah, he's super unlikable. <laughs> now, some time has passed, and it's now the party's over. And after the party, the, in the middle of the night, Usopp has to go to the bathroom. But on the way, he hears this strange knocking sound coming from the Mary and, uh, and the altar. But when he goes to the moat to check through the thick fog, he gets a glimpse of something very creepy that terrifies Usopp to his very core. It's what appears to be like a ghost or something with a huge smile hammering away at the side of the Mary. And it's super weird and it appears someone or something is trying to fix the Mary, but it's not very clear as to what this is or who this is. And I remember seeing this the first time and thinking, what the hell is that? I mean, I think this is like one of the first real like ethereal mysteries we get in one piece like we've had we have some you know mysteries in terms of like who's that or what does that mean but this is like what the hell is that kind of situation like you just have no idea what that thing is or who it could possibly be because based on the the shadow it almost looks like a child but moving on to the next scene we finally get our long-awaited reveal of god anel as the priests all gather at his shrine and boy does this guy know how to make an entrance he easily knocks down all three priests at once establishing just how freaking strong he is already and anel is definitely something First off, his design is nothing at all what I was expecting when I first read this part in the manga. I honestly don't really remember what I was expecting, but I knew it wasn't this. I mean, he looks intimidating, but somehow really flamboyant at the same time. His design draws heavily from Japanese folklore and religious inspirations with that ring of the shimedaiko drums on his back, similar to how the Raijing or the Thunder God in Japanese folklore is often depicted, as well as his long earlobes, like how many Buddha statues are depicted as well, both referencing his lightning powers and his sort of godlike religious nature. And then I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention that there is, and I don't know if this was ever really confirmed, but there's a, there's a rumor that, that went around that NL design is based off of Eminem the rapper because Oda is a fan of his music but I've never really been able to substantiate this with any proof so take that for what it is but it does look very similar but also speaking of thunder and lightning between his character design and his entrance it's pretty much all but confirmed that NL possesses the lightning devil fruit and is mo most likely another one of those elemental type devil fruit users similar to crocodile and smoker and like I said in the past episode, it was pretty obvious and easy to guess what his Devil Fruit ability was going to be. And yep, I was right. And I mean, I'm sure most people guessed it. But this revelation is very interesting though, because as terrifyingly strong as this Devil Fruit appears to be, there's one thing most of us would catch on to very quickly about this. Rubber doesn't conduct electricity. And unlike Crocodile, Luffy doesn't have to figure out a weakness to NL because being a rubber man, Luffy himself is the weakness. He already has the advantage and all he has to do is figure out how to get past NL's mantra. And this is actually really fun because us as the audience already know this fact, but none of the characters know which makes this expected matchup really anticipated to see what NL and Luffy's reaction are going to be at this revelation that NL can't actually hurt Luffy. And I for one could not wait till Luffy faced off against NL because of this one fact alone. 
But when we return to the Straw Hats the next morning, we surprisingly and mysteriously find that the Mary was repaired, although rather crudely by someone or something. So what Usopp saw wasn't a dream or a mirage or a trick of the eye. And what's more interesting is the fact that the going Mary has been repaired to its original appearance before its conversion to the flying model. So do they have some sort of a friend on the island that they've met before who's followed them to Skypiea, who's familiar with how the Mary used to look? I mean, this is a really crazy mystery indeed. Like, I obviously won't really speculate on this as I already know what's going on here. And I'll go into this a bit more in the spoiler section. But yeah, this is a really creepy, like, interesting mystery that develops randomly in the middle of the Skypiea arc. Usopp then devises a plan to get the Mary off the altar and into the water by hilariously using poor Chopper as bait to get the Sky Sharks to help them pull the Mary into the water. And with that, Nami devises a plan to split the crew into two parties, one to traverse the forest and head to the right eye of the skull to retrieve the treasure consisting of Zoro, Luffy, Chopper, and Robin, while the other party takes the Mary to the coast to pick them up once they retrieve the gold, which will consist of Nami, Usopp, Sanji, and Gomfall, as well as Pierre. Yeah, so things are starting to heat up. The Straw Hats are now making their move towards the treasure. The Shandians are preparing to attack NL, and the priests are setting up their ordeals in defense of NL's shrine, which seems to be atop this massive beanstalk. And with all the players set, we now head into the meet or the second act of the Skypiea arc. And yeah, this is a pretty crazy setup, and I can't wait to see how this whole the Shandian war plays out with the Straw Hats kind of like weaving their way in and out trying to find the goal while also trying to avoid the war. But yeah, we'll see on the next episodes. Like always, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast for updates of when I post new episodes. And uh, stay tuned for a smallish spoiler section. Um, but yeah, if you don't want to stay for that, thank you for listening. And I hope to see you on the next episode. See ya. Alrighty, so spoiler section here. Uh, I think I just wanted to briefly mention the whole connection of the party scene to the recent revelations of Wano and the Sun God and how it's seemingly more and more that Skypiea is becoming much more relevant and important to the wider story of One Piece. And that recent picture or panel of the sun god doing almost the same exact dance pose as Luffy in this scene where he's dancing around the bonfire is very curious. Now, I'm not really a theory crafter or anything, and there are plenty of YouTube videos and other podcasts that cover this in much more detail, but it is a very interesting connection. And even I noticed the uh, the similarities, even though I'm not really much of a, you know, a theory crafter or anything like that. So I always found that very interesting. And then the th- second thing I wanted to mention in this spoiler section is obviously the thing I mentioned in the episode itself, the mysterious thing that repairs the going merry, which we later find out in Water 7, is the Klabauter Man, which is sort of like a, almost like a spiritual or physical manifestation of the Mary's will itself. And the Mary was actually fixing itself so that she or, or he, I, I don't know if it's a, it is a she or a he, but it can actually 
continue to at least get them back down safely to to the earth. And yeah, this scene hits a lot harder and a lot more different when you know that this is the Mary like trying to give it its one last go to make sure that they safely get back down to earth. And it's really sad, really. I mean, everything surrounding the Mary going forward is really sad. But, you know, retrospectively looking at the scene, it's it's really touching and really sad at the same time. But yeah, those are really the only two things that I wanted to mention in this spoiler section. So I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.